You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. All right. Hello, everybody. This is I'm jumping into this thing because this is a show that we've been waiting for. I think this is the third year that we've done it. It's not your traditional Global Trade This Week format. It's all about predict this. Troy's in the in the mix and um, and we're excited. Um, my uh, partner in crime on the other side of the coast, Mr. Pete Mento, are you ready to lock and load this thing down for uh, I, predictions 2024? I'm so ready, Doug. I'm so ready. Um, I think it's awesome that you always have to come up with a catchphrase. Always. Uh, always. Yeah. What, which one? The predict this? Or whatever the hell they are. You know, it's like, you know, ever since Bopus, you've been, uh, you've had this deep desire to, it's sort of like fetch in, in Mean Girls, you know. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but 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 it makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy makes me happy. So yeah, go for it, awesome. I yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, I don't think I have any. Uh, I'll come up with one while we're talking here, and uh, please don't and go from there. Please don't, Doug. Please don't. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's the format that we spoke about. Um, we have. Uh, a lot of predictions to go back and forth and make general comments uh, could turn this show a little bit lengthier than we wanted to, because we want to come in, nail our predictions, mic drop and bail out of here. So um, for the audience and the listeners, we're going to pick our shots on commenting on each other's predictions. And we're going to rifle through this thing. What, what did you call it, Pete? Right. When we we're going to get on. What, what we're going to get a oh, speed round, speed round. Yeah. We're going to round this bad boy. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could put it at 1.5, just like my kids do when they when they listen to lectures in school. Can't do that. I can't do that, man. It's distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know kids nowadays, right? That's how they get through it. So, all right, man. I opened it up. So I'm going to do a countdown to three. Then we're going to fire this prediction show off. Three, two, one. Let her rip. Issues in the Red Sea in 2024 are going to persist probably through at least a quarter, quarter and a half. Uh, maybe even longer. If you haven't been reading about, I want to make sure I get this right because I don't want to, I don't want to say it wrong. Operation Protect. Hold on, I want to get it right. I don't want to say it wrong because people will tell me I'm wrong, and I got to hear about it in the comments. Operation Prosperity Garden, uh, Prosperity Guardian is going to be announced today. Uh, at some point, the Department of Defense is going to have a conference call, and then they're going to have a uh, press conference to talk about this. We're sending more stuff to the Middle East, to the Red Sea to try to deal with it. But until then, you're going to keep seeing all these ocean carriers. OCL just announced today, BP is not going to start moving tankers anymore through there. It's a big deal. And as the tanker traffic slows down, this is going to have a negative effect on energy rates. It's actually going to be a problem for us. Now, to be great for ocean carriers and great for transportation companies, because whenever you have a problem with shifting volumes, changing volumes, or changing schedules, it's good for everybody. You'll see a massive push to the West Coast. You'll start seeing that real soon. Yep. So uh, no comments on that, but I will touch on the West Coast piece uh, uh, coming up, but that's good. And you made mention, I think BP, just like in the last couple of hours. Six hours. Yeah. Yeah. Made, made, made mention of that. So good one. All right. My first prediction uh, for 2024, it's going to be the year of parcel, right? The YOP. And um, yes, there's a GRI. It always happens. But you know what? It is a buyer's market like nobody's business. And even though there are GRIs that are coming up, there's going to be deals to have. 
So um, you're going to see FedEx, uh, UPS. I really got my fingers crossed piece. I hope the post office pulls their you-know-what out of their you-know-what and, and gets involved. But uh, if you are a high-volume parcel shipper um, selling goods that people may not want or may not need, um, it's going to be a, a buyer's market. The other piece, Pete, that's going to pop up is that regional parcel carriers have always been there. The technology now that we have is finally robust enough that it's off the shelf and you don't have to spend a lot of money. So you will be able to enhance your service offerings instead of FedEx or UPS. And you got a system that engages them both. I think you're really going to see uh, shippers embrace regional carriers to help supplement um, uh, their parcel needs, which will again create demand and urgency with the, the big two to, to get out there and get, get market share. So it is a buyer's market. It's going to be the year of parcel for 2024. Agreed. Agreed. Nothing to add there. Uh, my prediction number two is that next year, the global economy will finally have to deal with uh, the after effects and the blowback from COVID. I think 24 will be the year that this all comes to roost, but I think it's going to end in that year as well. Uh, an interesting Caveat to this, I don't think the U.S. is going to go into a recession next year. I think we're still going to manage to keep GDP growth going. I do not think that will be the case in Europe, and I know it will not be the case in China. But the, chick the chickens are coming home to roost, Doug, and uh, next year's the year we're going to have to manage that. Yeah, good point. Um, no comment. <clears throat> so my second prediction um, is the bloodletting of our industry is coming to an end and you will no longer see this in 2024. Yellow, Convoy, Flexport, Sunset Logistics, Metal Arc, there's all kinds of these regional carriers that have either gone out of business um, or uh, have right-sized their operations, um, whatever buzzword you want to uh, say to that. So I believe there may be one or two more at the first of the year, but the craziness of right-sizing our industry related to asset-based trucking and brokerage is behind us, not in front of us. And there may be some smaller regional. Well, Pete, let me think here. So here, here's the big big picture on that, buddy. So when COVID was crushing it and our industry was, was, was making money hand over fist, all these drivers were saying, why do I want to work for Yellow? Why do I want to work for this? I can do it myself. I'm going to go buy a couple of trucks and uh, I'm going to ride the wave. Well, the rave, the wave ended. 12 months ago, 18 months ago, and uh, and all of the right sizing is uh, coming to an end. And I'm going to talk about the speed in which things move nowadays uh, at, at a later prediction. But the craziness of um, uh, 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 workforce reductions and companies going out of business, that's more behind us than more in front of us. So um, good things to come in that aspect for 2024. I'm going to give a caveat to that, Doug. I think there's going to be some major mergers and acquisitions in our industry that's probably going to cause some people to be right-sized out of a position. But I don't think that's so much economically driven as it is an opportunity for companies to make a big dog move. So I think there will be some folks being taken out of our industry because somebody got bought. But I don't think it's going to be like you said, like 2023 was, where folks were just, I mean, hell, I went through two layoffs. So yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a better year for next year. Agreed. Good, good. Uh, next topic, controversial. So, trigger warning, everyone. Um, I called when Ukraine would be invaded. I'm gonna call the war ending. So I believe that after the presidential election, 
at some point after the presidential election, either one of these sides is going to be forced to the negotiation table, and it's going to require some sort of a managed peace. The reason for that being, I do not see the issue in the Middle East slowing down anytime soon, and the United States has far too many financial responsibilities to continue to support two foreign wars. So I believe that whomever is president is going to make it very clear to Putin and to Zelensky they have to come to the table and negotiate a settled peace. Interesting. We'll start to see yeah. that happen after the election next year. Yeah. So if it's after the election, does that mean you? So the election's what the fourth or whatever the second Tuesday is. Yeah, it's going to happen probably in December. You're going to see okay. like it's time for this to happen. You're about to have someone put back in, and now they don't have to worry about a reelection and upsetting people who want to see one move or the other. And it'll be on Congress and the Senate to deal with it in the midterms. Yeah. On the blowback. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to second guess or have any major comments on that, Pete, because you call this thing, if, if our audience uh, remembers and goes back to a couple of prediction shows, you called it. I was shocked when you made that prediction. And within um, three months, there was a war going on in the Ukraine. So I trust your judgment, my friend, on uh, on what's happening there. OK, my, yeah, my third prediction is that the uh, fast fashion um, <clears throat> supply chain world will start to gain a lot of interest the microscope will be placed on it for a couple of reasons Xi'an and and temu is that how you pronounce the other big one temu temu um, yep. yep so they're starting to get uh you know pop up on the radar but you know the the forced labor um the crazy labor with some of the supply chain stealing designs um i think uh Xi'an has this pr campaign out called Xi'an 101 which uh, the best way to get to the root problem of a controversy is really to ask influencers to weigh in on their perspective. Um, and apparently, uh, recently, there was part of the, the Xi'an 101 PR campaign to say, hey, there's nothing to see here. Everything's cool. There's no forced labor. We're doing everything right. Because um, they brought in influencers and they put them in factories that potentially could have just been completely fictitious and set up. And talking about how everything is just fine over here related to uh, the production and manufacturing of the fast fashion world. Um, and I think that they're calling it um, translucent supply chain or uh, opacity, O-P-A-C-I-T-Y logistics, which means it's kind of visible, but it kind of isn't. Um, but I think as time goes on, uh, as the fast fashion continues to gain momentum with uh, younger consumers, that's going to draw more attention. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going to happen of it, but the bottom line is that the consumers that deal with fast fashion primarily are a generation younger than you and I. And I hate to say this, Pete, but some of those folks may not care enough to know where the stuff came from. And as long as they look good and they can make their uh, their weekend party and uh, and their clothes look great and Two months from now, they'll buy the next one, and three months, they'll buy the next one, and the next one is that the consumer is not going to change their buying habits to affect any change on the supply chain or the manufacturing. It's going to be the light. Do you remember that movie Spotlight from five or six years ago? It's going to require something like that to affect any change, but it's going to get more attention, and the fast fashion industry is going to um, uh, be uh, uh, a top-line news story in 2024. Are we doing halftime, Doug? Because I do have a halftime. I, I didn't have one, but I can comment on yours because you always have a good one. So this would be the perfect time for a halftime, obviously brought to us by Cap Logistics. So 
you rip on your halftime, buddy, and I'll jump in. As you can see behind me, my paintings you might be used to seeing are down. It's because I'm in the middle of a move. Um, I'm, I'm leaving the Granite State and going back to the district. And uh, what I got to say, Doug, is that moving is not only a pain in the ass, but it's very expensive. Um, the um, And I'm doing this myself, but the cost of buying boxes, tape, things for wrapping, um, renting a truck, its I don't remember it ever being this ridiculous. And I am not a person, I'm a job creator, Doug. I like hiring people to deal with this crap for me. But when I reached out to Packers and Movers and they told me that a move for what little I own, and I don't own a lot, Doug, was going to cost me somewhere between five to $8,000. Mm-hmm. I just said, I think this is a, something old Dr. Pete can handle on himself. So I don't know, man. It's just pretty ridiculous what the cost of moving is these days. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you say that for your halftime because I am as well in the middle of a move. I don't, we've alluded to it, but you're moving to the district. I am moving my world up to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. That's a whole nother ballgame. Kids have graduated. I refer to this as chapter three of our lives. Chapter one, dual income, no kids. Chapter two, raise a family. Chapter three, here's the best time to buy a house, Pete. When the interest rates are at a 40-year high and things are bleep and expensive, right? So to move, just to move up the steamboat, it's like six grand for me. The boxes, the this and the that, you just start saying, geez, we're, it, it is expensive. And there's probably listeners that are like, yeah, you dumb shits. Why didn't you think about that first Um, before you decide to make the move, but 100%, you know, um, grabbing, uh, Hey, I got pizza and beer and you call your buddies who has a pickup truck doesn't really exist anymore. And, uh, I agree hundred percent moving is freaking expensive. It's awful. All right. Well, that's it for (laughs) halftime by cap logistics. And it's time for my next prediction again, trigger warning. We're not talking about our ideas in politics, simply what I think is going to happen. I'm beginning to believe that President Trump will win the election in the fall. And here is why I believe that. People want some kind of stability. And people do not believe that there will be economic and geopolitical stability with what's going on now. Now, the argument can be made that there could be just as much political instability, but I think that they're more apt to vote for change than they are to vote for the status quo. Um, We'll see if I'm right about that or not. I'll give you another prediction, Doug. I have a feeling that he will stop all the persecution of his political allies and might even pardon someone like Hunter Biden. And the reason I believe that is he doesn't want to be in the same position when he's done in four years. Mm. So two crazy predictions that are associated with each other. All right. That is really interesting. So here's a question I have for you on this prediction. Rather than make a comment, I have a question for you. Who is going to be the vice president of the United States? Any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, a couple. Um, you, you could either have what looks like is going to happen, which is Vivek Ramswamy being his, his second, because unfortunately, the other ones have been too loud about not doing it. Um, that's one. Second, um, it, it could be a governor from one of these states, possibly the governor of Texas. Uh, you might see that happen as well. But I believe it'll either be a, a Republican governor who has not been mouthy about Trump. So that takes Sununu out of New Hampshire up and a couple others as well. Um, or it'll be Vivek Ramswamy. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. <clears throat> so my uh, fourth prediction is that uh, and this is kind of like obvious, but I think it's important to call out is that we 
as an importing nation are going to kind of get back to uh, the bread and butter, which means you're going to see a resurgence of supply chain domination in the West Coast, right, for uh, a couple of reasons. It's familiar, like you said. Um, uh, stability is something that people need. And um, the infrastructure is there. The, the financing is there with rates still at all-time lows. The Panama Canal, which we've talked about a few times, isn't getting any better. The, 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 the transit times and the amount of money and inventory and dollars that's sitting on vessels trying to get from China to the wet, to the East Coast is just um, becoming unbearable. So get the stuff off the boat, get it into the market, start selling it as fast as you can. And that infrastructure already exists in Southern California. And so I think what you're going to see is the second tier ports that got a lot of momentum during COVID, they will still be relevant, more relevant than they were pre-COVID. Um, but I think what you're going to see with the Panama Canal situation and the fact that the interest rates are still high and there is inventory and money on boats, they need to get that stuff off. They need to get access to it and they need to sell it as fast as they can. So if you are providing logistic services in the Southern California markets, if you have warehousing that will pivot, the infrastructure is there. It's just a matter of turning things on and ready to rock and roll. So you're going to see a big resurgence in Southern California related to supply chain support uh, in 2024. I completely agree, Doug. I think this is, uh, there are too many things working against East Coast right now, uh, not least of which is what's going on in the Red Sea. And the West Coast infrastructure is so well developed for this economy. I think you're going to see folks going back to their old habits and uh, rates will be adjusted because of that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, man, what you got? All right. Well, this is uh, coming off of our triumphant visit to the folks at Tapa. Thank you again to Sydney and Alan and Chuck and, and Scott and everyone else over at Tapa. We want to thank them again for their incredible hospitality and their opportunity. I thought it was a great, great conference and a wonderful show that we did there. Uh, I believe that cargo theft is going to continue to rise a great deal. I think that when we look back on 2024, it's going to be even worse than 2023. A lot of contributing factors will be uh, unemployment, you know, financial instability, but also the criminals are just getting smart at using new methods. And I think until we find a way to respond to those methods, they're just going to be more successful with their theft. I also believe that cyber is going to play a huge part in this in the coming year. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, on two fronts. One, I can't thank TAP enough for having us down there. I think there's been some posts on LinkedIn and we appreciate that. And uh, it really opened my eyes um, to the, uh, the depth of what's going on out there. And the one thing that caught my attention that you said is that, yeah, there's cool technology to support our industry and the bad guys are engaging in that, that technology as well. And the one thing that really resonated with me is that you can be some nerd in a basement and manipulate the system so much that you can remain, uh, remain anonymous and you can have this thread of who's touching the cargo as you're trying to steal it, that if things go south, as a bad guy, you can just cut the ties and the dotted line to get back to you is very, very difficult to, uh, to, to find. So why not? If I'm going to try to steal 10 trucks and eight of them, the gig's going to be up. I don't have to worry about it because I can sever the confusing line of chain of custody from, from the time that I quote unquote, take control of the shipment to the time that I need to get delivered to a warehouse or, or, or really complete the theft. Um, the technology will enable us to create a, a wall and a barrier where we're not going to be able to see who it was or catch who it was. So 
100% the technology that's out there available to us to benefit our industry is the same uh, out there that's uh, helping out the bad guys. So without question, uh, it's going to get to the point, Pete, where it's going to be more noticeable and it's going to draw more attention. It's going to be on the headlines, uh, which will really start to affect some change. But we are absolutely on the same page with that. Yeah, I, I kind of wish that we would have recorded Nathan White's presentation about AI and how it's used in theft. And everyone should see just how well it's already being deployed. And honestly, man, I mean, I talk about AI all the time, but we didn't see it in in the media and all over pop culture until really this year. So we are just in the infancy of using that type of stuff for bad actors. And I think it's it's really just going to catapult it all done. Yep, yep. Well, my, my last one uh, prediction is just more of a general statement of <clears throat> the world we live in and things are going to continue to move at breakneck speeds. Things just move quicker, right? And the one example that I give, Pete, is that whenever, after COVID switched from buying goods and things switched to services and you and I wanted to have the experience economy, that lasted like 18 months, 15 months, and that was it. And we kept comparing it to the roaring 20s of 1920s. That was it, almost an entire decade of, uh, of, of wealth and, and enjoyment. And this time it was like 15 to 18 months. It came and it went so quick. The interest rates shot up so fast that we've never seen it before. And I get we were putting the brakes on to try to slow everything down. Never before have we seen it happen so fast. I think it's going to maybe not drop quite as fast, but that pivot, those shifts are more of a V-curve. Everything we're talking about in, in, in life, decision-making, influences on, on, the, uh, on the economy, the V-curve is going to be uh, the norm, uh, not the, not the uh, exception. So if you can ride out the storm, these peaks and valleys are going to happen so dramatically that it could be detrimental if you don't pick your, uh, your timing on it. But the general consensus is if you think things have moved fast with COVID and after COVID in the economy, hey, it's going to continue to just be volatile as hell. And the V-curve is going to be all over our world and, and how we engage it uh, moving forward. Chaos is good for the business, man. But it's difficult. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, it, it's, yep. it's, it's rough for us that are into planning and, and dealing with all of it and guiding our clients. But I agree with you, Doug. I think next year is going to be a highly chaotic year highly chaotic year economically and then in our industry with regards to rates flying up because of what's going on in the Middle East to blowing back down again when things get quiet. And that's, again, chaos is great for the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. So, that's, uh, that's it. What, you got one or two more? I got one more. All right. So, um, you know, my last one, going back to the interest rates, I think interest rates will go down to at least four and a half, maybe even down to three and a half next year. But I don't think they're going to go too, too much farther down than that over the course of the next two years. Um, but you're going to see those adju adjusted interest rates begin to go back down again. Wonderful for consumers. Uh, but banks, as powerful as they are and as politically powerful as they are, they're not going to let them get far too far down. They've enjoyed um, these interest rates and where they are. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, but it's going to have a very bizarre effect on the home markets. You're going to see a lot of movement next year. As those rates come down, people thinking, I'm going to take a shot at this. Um, but at some point, they are going to level down. And uh, you're not going to see true relief till the end of 2025. But I think at least 4.5%, Doug, with all the all the cuts, probably down to 3.5% by the time it's all done. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would agree, especially the interest rate piece that you spoke about, right? I mean, I'm living it right now, right? <laughs> and it's shocking, right? Uh, it's my, it's, um, anyway, agree 100%. Four and a half to me seems a little bit low. I've always thought from what I've, I've learned a lot in the last uh, six months on this process, mid fives to low fives and everything, all hell's going to break loose, right? Then people are going to say, that's just the new norm and let's go buy our new house. And oh, by the way, there won't be any inventory. And so the housing market's going to spike again, um, which may lead to more reaction to uh, interest rates. But I think it's going to come down as fast. Well, let me back that up. It's going to come down. I like your turn, your timeline of end of 25. Um, I don't think it'll be 4.5, but I think it'll be in the low fives. I think it'll be even lower. And here's the reason why, Doug. I think there's a lot of political pressure to do something about the housing market. And I think that there's folks that are going to push that. I don't care how um, separate the central bank is. They feel political pressure like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. All right. That's it. I have no more predictions. I think it was a pretty good show. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for joining us, um, listening to our predictions, playing our bit of Karnak for the year. We'll um, we'll come and see how well we did with those. But, um, you know, I think I speak for all of us here in the Global Trade This Week team when I say happy holidays. We're hoping for a much better 2024. And uh, we simply can't wait to see you join us again next year. Uh, it's Christmas next Monday. We will not be recording, but we'll see you again uh, the following week with another excellent edition of Global Trade This Week. Happy Christmas, Doug. Same to you, Keenan. I hope Santa brings you everything you want. You've been a very good boy. And yeah. uh, we'll see you all again next year. <laughs> all Peace. right. Happy New Year, everyone. Take care.